And amen, amen. Can y'all hear me? God is good. Amen. amen. Pastor, you know, it's, it's uh, difficult uh, to embarrass me, but you said the greatest sermon on tithe, and that, that uh, man, I, I don't know about that. That felt, that, that felt, but I give all glory to God. I, I thank you, Pastor, for uh, giving me this opportunity. Uh, Y'all give it for Pastor Kevin. I tell you, he is. Uh, what you see is what you get. And I thank you for this opportunity. I don't take it lightly. I, 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 every time I stand up here, I realize that this stage is not big physically. But the opportunity and the fact that you entrust sons and daughters to step up here and minister and to allow their gift to develop. I personally don't take it light, and I want to thank you for that. I love you. I love you and Pastor Devin a lot, man. Me and my wife, we both love you. You guys have been instrumental in our lives. Uh, so, again, I thank you for that. Um, you know, as I was preparing for today, uh, I toiled. Um, the Lord gave me a word of, a few months ago, maybe even close to a year, and I, I kind of waffled back and forth um, on whether or not or what to do with the word, and I, I really didn't know what to do. Uh, y'all sit down for a minute. I'm, I'm just going to be a little candid, if that's okay. I, I've been to forgot y'all stood up or standing. And uh, I, I waffled back and forth and didn't really know what to do with the word. And, and, and as the word has been preached these last few Wednesdays and, and even on Sunday, I knew then that this was the word of the Lord. Uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Pastor Quantel, remember he talked about get in the house. Y'all remember that word? I'm going to tell you something. That was a word, brother. That was a word. And he talked about how God used a harlot to help the men of God. You ever got a word from somebody that was high? No, seriously, I have. And, and what he talked about was the fact that God will use what we consider unusable. And he talked about getting in the house and how God used that person to help the men of God. And and I know, I tell people this all the time, I, you know, shameless plug, I have a men's Bible study, and I tell them all the time, God will always use the people who you think he won't use. And, and it's amazing oftentimes that we see people in today's society, and we're quick to judge, and we're quick to uh, push them aside when it could be the very person that God is trying to use. And he could use that person to get you in the house. It was, it was an awesome word. I, you know, I, I suggest you go on Facebook and go listen to that message. Because it, let me tell you something. If God can t talk through a donkey, surely he can talk to me through somebody unsavory, if you will. Because I don't know anybody in here who would listen to a donkey. Amen. And then, you know, we had the, uh, uh, the after that last week, Pastor, Pastor Chris, you know, he brought an awesome word where he talked about Gideon. A man hiding and doing, you know, it's amazing. Gideon was doing something on the, on the floor that had no business doing what he was doing on that floor. The Bible says he was hiding, trying to work and hide. But, you know, if God's going to call you to do something, you're going to have to come out of hiding. You're going to have to come out of the hiding. He preached the word about Gideon. The man that was hiding was the man that God was going to use to save Israel. You say, man, I'm shy. I'm timid. Good. That's exactly what God is looking for. Amen. 
I, I'll be honest with you. I've kind of been on the other side of that. I, I was a little, uh, you know, I was the kind of guy that would, you know, look for the Jehovah Witnesses and the, and the Baptists to come to my door every Saturday. That's my wife. I'll be up 10 o'clock waiting on that black Cadillac. And I was, I was ready to argue, and we was both, and I mean, it was to the point where I wasn't shy about God, but I didn't have the right spirit. And so when, and so when Pastor Chris was talking about Gideon, I'm like, I, it was hard to relate because I never find myself hiding. Matter of fact, I got ahead of God in a lot of my ways. And he talked about even though the man was hiding, God still wanted to use him to save Israel, to save the people of God. I'm going somewhere. Y'all stay with me, okay? I, I, I think it's important that we talk about this because God calls the people who we think he don't call. And God would tell us to get in the house and to come out of the house, come out of hiding. And then you had Pastor Kevin preach on Sunday about, as for me and my house, we're going to what? Serve the Lord. So when I thought about these things, I said, Lord, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. I am going to talk to you tonight, and I'm not going to be long because I, 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 I really feel like there is, there, 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 the, the atmosphere, there is so much synergy in this room is unbelievable. There, there, there's, there's something tangible and thick in this room, and, 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 and I'm just a pinky toe. I'm just the one that I believe God is going to use to help not only me, but I believe he wants to help you tonight. The title of my sermon tonight is One in a Billion. One in a Billion. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24. And we're going to start at verse 37. One in a billion. Look to your neighbor and say, neighbor, you are one in a billion. You know, I, I can remember, I told y'all, you know, I have, uh, every time I stand up here, I, I tend to go back to my, my, my days of preaching in the nursing home. Uh, because at that time, I knew God was calling me to something. I just didn't know what. So I ran to any opportunity I could to preach the word. And I used to go in there with, with them old seasoned people. And I'm going to tell you something. Everybody in there wasn't saved. Uh, there ain't no devil like an old devil. I'm going to tell you that right now. I, I'm, I am being, there ain't, I'm going to tell you something. You think you fall devils, go to a nursing home. There ain't no, I'm, I'm, anyway, I'm, I'm gone. And, and, and I can remember, I can remember going to a nursing home. I knew God called me. And I just wanted to preach. I just wanted to preach. Anybody would listen. And half the time they weren't listening, but it didn't matter. I knew I just wanted to preach. And every time I went to the nursing home, something happened that will, that will almost cause me to kind of want to draw back. Oh, they're not listening. They don't want your word. I, y'all know I told you so last time when I was in the nursing home, I preached on fornication. <laughs> uh, they, they did not like it. They, they were, you know, I told you ain't no devil like an old devil. And, but I was practicing. So I, I never forget one time I was in there and I, was, I got done preaching and I, I wanted to pray, pray for people. Because uh, if you want to see somebody get healed, hey, the nursing home was a place to be. So this lady, so I said, I'm going to pray for the, I want to pray for you. You're sick, you need, pray. I want to pray for you. So the lady comes up and she says, uh, I want you to pray for me. I said, okay, what is it? She said, I can't hear. I'm, I'm deaf in both ears. I said, you deaf in both ears? She said, yes. I said, and I dug in that lady's ears. I'm talking about I had wax and everything on my hand, brother. I said, in the name of Jesus, hear. And she's like, yes. Yeah. I said, you can hear? 
You can hit. She goes, no, but I can't read lips. Thank you. Come on, say wonk, wonk, wonk. And I, I felt so defeated after that. I'm like, God, you said lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And I thought she got it. And I, I wanted to quit preaching. Because I'm thinking if an old person won't listen to me, surely a young person won't. But I tell you what, uh, uh, I realized that God will see and go beyond what you think about yourself. Uh, I said this is one of my, my mottos. It is more important how God sees you than how you see yourself. What did God see in Rahab that we were just frowning up about? What did God see in Gideon that we were just frowning up about? Not receive, amen? I told y'all to go somewhere. What did I say? Praise God. Matthew 24 and verse 37, one in a billion. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Father, I thank you for this evening. Father God, I give you these next few moments. Let me decrease. Holy Spirit, I ask you to increase. Jesus, I give you this hour. Holy Spirit, have your way. And go to work. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Bible says in Matthew 24 that as in the days of Noah, so shall the last days be. Evidently, there is a correlation or a connection between what took place in Noah's day and what's taking place in these days. If God said, or if Jesus said, as in the days of Noah, they're getting married, they're giving to marriage, they're having kids, they're partying, it's not necessarily, he's not necessarily saying it's a bad thing. But what he is saying is they weren't looking for the right thing. Noah's day, they're giving it to marriage. We're going to talk about that a little bit. And so we got to understand, if God, if Jesus says there's something taking place in Noah's day, you got to be able to look out because it's taking place in your day. Matter of fact, you don't have to turn there, but if you go to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, In the last days, perilous times will come. Now, you can stop right there because it gives you a list. It's not everything, but it gives you this grocery list of all these things that are taking place in the last days. And if you go read 2 Timothy 3, you will see and you can relate to all those things that it's listing. You can walk down the street and see the very thing of how people are operating today. Perilous simply means dangerous. We are living in dangerous or we can call it risky times. And so we're going to talk about a little bit tonight about what it really means to understand that as in the days of Noah, so shall our days be. I wrote down here when Jesus said that Noah's day was perilous, or let's flip that around. When we see that our day is perilous, we understand that Noah's day had to be perilous. He would not compare us to that day unless he's trying to tell us something tonight. Now, stay with me because I'm going to lay a quick foundation and we're going to get really deep into the word. Amen? I said it before. The risk itself isn't marriage and giving him. How many of y'all are married? That is not a sentence that something is wrong with you when you read Matthew 24. When it says the last days are going to be married and giving to marriage, it's like, oh, my God, I'm married. 
what I'm going to do now? Does that mean I'm in trouble? Does that mean I'm, I did something wrong or that God doesn't love me? He wasn't saying there was anything wrong with that. What he is saying, though, is that when we make the risk of allowing ourselves to get engulfed in certain things, we can really miss what God is trying to do in these last days. We can get so caught up in things that are going on around us that we aren't even aware of God. We're caught up in, in, in parties and, and get-togethers and gatherings. And, and, and again, there's nothing wrong with those things. But it can cause you to lose your awareness if you're not careful. If you look around us, you can see a lot of people are being lulled to sleep. Preach the gospel. I, I read a statistic one time that that a sermon should not be no longer than 15 minutes. Can you believe that? 15 minutes? That's ridiculous. But how much time, now, yeah, y'all don't stone me, how much time do we spend on that phone? Come on, think about it. So you can't listen to me for 15 minutes, but you can pull out that device, and you can go hours upon hours. Medical science has released a study that you actually can cause physical damage to your body. You know what I'm talking about? This right here, your neck. Your neck is stiff. You got carpal tunnel in your thumb. You go to a doctor and doc- it's, I don't know, something's wrong with my hand. It's stiff. It's numb. Well, what you been doing? I, nothing. You been doing something? I've been on my cell phone. So sometimes we get so caught up in things that when God is speaking, we can't hear him. We aren't listening. And so that's what Jesus is talking about. So we're going to talk about Noah's day. I got this statement. Listen, it can be a dangerous thing to be occupied by something that we deem good, and it's a good thing, but it's not a God thing. Everything good ain't God. It was the old saying, if everything glitter ain't gold, it's true. God wants us to be aware in these last days. Amen? Y'all know the story of Mary and Martha? Y'all know, uh, now, Martha was the one that invited Jesus over her house, right? And Mary's in there. Jesus comes in, and immediately Jesus falls, excuse me, Mary falls at the feet of Jesus. And she's hanging on to every word that he's preaching. And where is Martha? She's over there in the kitchen trying to prepare a meal, trying to get things together. She's in there sweating and toiling in the kitchen, and she gets mad and says, Jesus, don't you see I'm here trying to prepare some cornbread? And my sister ain't doing nothing. He, and matter of fact, she even gave Jesus a command. Tell her to come help me. She didn't even ask. She said, Jesus, tell that woman to get in there and help me in this kitchen. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, Martha. You are worried about a whole lot of things. But your sister has chosen the good thing. And that will not be taken from her. You know, Jesus really gave Martha a choice. You can either go back to that kitchen or you can come receive from the Savior. Come on. When the Spirit of God tells you, put that phone down, cut that TV off, you can continue enjoying that show, or you can go get with Jesus. You got a choice. So don't be like Martha. Choose the good part. Be like Mary. Amen? Again, it's all about us understanding that if we aren't careful in this society, we can miss the most important thing, and that's Jesus. Come on. Look to your neighbor and say, neighbor. You need Jesus. (laughs) Amen. Let's look at the days of Noah. If Jesus is going to tell us that these last days shall be like the days of Noah, what was Noah's day like? 
You know, in Genesis chapter 4, you know the story of Cain and Abel and the wickedness of Cain's heart, how he murdered his brother, and God laid down the punishment. And the Bible says that Cain left from the presence of the Lord, and he went and started building cities. He went and kept his evil ways. And, you know, it passed down from generation to generation to generation to generation. We get to the fifth generation of Cain, and you have a man named Lamech. Pastor talked about Lamech a month or so ago. How Lamech Lamech was the first polygamist in the Bible. I mean, something that God did not create. It was the wickedness of his heart. It was passed down from his forefather, the evilness of his heart. Got two wives. Matter of fact, he goes on to say he began to brag about a murder he committed. That's how wicked it was. Hey, hey, if Cain got off, surely I'm going to get off. The wickedness, not being remorseful, not repentant, not sorry, just say, you better accept it is what it is. I killed him. Oh, well, I'm okay because my man Cain got off. That's how it was in Noah's day. Don't that sound familiar? Now, you know you was wrong. No, no, I wasn't wrong. No, I had to do it. God knows my heart. It, it, It is what it is. I mean, there is no remorsefulness or repentance of heart in the society that we live in. Now, stay with me. Don't run out. This is not a doom and gloom message. But I think we have to recognize and realize what our society and the state that it's in. I know I'm talking to mostly church folk, but everybody you know ain't saved. Everybody or somebody you know fits into this category where they justify their sin. They justify the way they live, how they act, the way they talk. And have no regard for the Spirit of God in you. Will come in your house and tell you what you should do with your children. What you should say, how you should talk to your husband, how you should talk to your wife. No regard, no reverence. So Noah's day was wicked. It was cruel. Lamech liked two different wives at the same time. It is not acceptable in the eyes of God. Oh, what about, do I got to get rid of my side chick? Yes. What about my sugar daddy? He got to go too. You, you, let me tell you, you, you can lump it any way you want. It ain't God. Amen? It don't matter if society has accepted it, man and woman of God, you don't. Oh, well, maybe I'm being a little bit too. No, you're not. It's God. It's God. It may be tight, but it's right. Amen? Amen. So we go on to say that, 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 that Lamech was a wicked man, and then out of his two wives, he began to have sons. Uh, the first son, Jabel, I believe. Jabel, the Bible says he was a chief builder, a tent maker. Then he had another son, Jabal. He was the, uh, uh, he was the forefather of musical instruments, the flute and the harp. Then he had another son, Cain Tubal. Am I saying that right? I say it backwards. Tubal Cain, excuse me. Tubal-Cain, he was the maker of forged metals. Now, these are all, stay with me, of a wicked generation. A wicked, you know, you know when you look at uh, uh, Tubal-Cain, they say he was a forger of metal. He was a creator. Anything you look at, blacksmith, silversmith, gunsmith, coinsmith, whatever, everything started with that man. You know, they, and, and I did a study. They, he, was a, he was a creator of weaponry, swords, whatever. Anything made of metal, he started it. Now, I'm not here to, 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 to side with if you got a sword or if you got a gun or if you got a machete. I'm not talking about that. But the creator of those things had wicked intentions. It was evil intentions why he did those things. Now, this is Noah Day. 
This is Noah's day. This is, this is, it is true that Noah and this man lived on the earth at the same time. Hey, y'all ever seen that, that crazy movie, Noah? Don't raise your hand if you have. It is not of God. But you know, it's funny. Tubal Cain is the one trying to overtake the ark. I'm just saying. The guy's famous, amen? So we got to recognize that these men had wicked intentions for these inventions. Doesn't it sound like our day? Look at our day. So many people creating stuff, creating things. All these inventions, you think your robot vacuum cleaner is of God. No, it ain't. I'm just joking. But there's, create, there's inventions going on all around us. Pascal Artel talked about the car, the, the electric car. Hey, let me tell you something. It's going further than that. These cars are driving themselves now. Matter of fact, they are talking about cars running on water, Pastor. In this day, people are inventing things just like they invented things in Noah's day. And I'm going to tell you the scariest invention in my opinion. Go to Walmart about 11 o'clock at night. And you see the little manless vacuum. I'm standing in the milk aisle. Beep, beep. And I didn't see nobody. Beep, beep. Man, this manless machine is honking at me like I'm in the way. Did you hear what I said? A human, I'm in the way of a cart that is trying to sweep with no man on it. Today. In this society. And you know what we do? I'm going to tell you what happens a lot of times. We allow movies and television to lull us to sleep where we see things on TV and we, oh, that's good, that's wonderful. We clap until, and then we see it in real life. We don't think nothing about it. Oh, that's, and we accept it. We allow entertainment to cause us to accept things real gently. I have a problem with a Walmart cart with no man on it vacuuming the floor. I do. It is truly a sign of our times. Cars. Uh, my friend got a Tesla. I drove it. It scared me. It's fast, and it really didn't need me. That's scary. And I was ready to get out. I was very uncomfortable. But that is the society. Inventions. Things are inventing things. And believe it or not, whether you like it or not, some of these inventions are to replace you and I. I'm not picking on Walmart. If you work at Walmart, forgive me. But your 32 aisles of nobody working and ringing up my items is a problem. Oh, I'm not, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to say that. But they're saying we don't need who we thought we needed. But I'm going to tell you something. You can't replace the man and woman of God. I'm going to tell you something. You can create anything you want, but it won't replace the man and woman of God preaching the gospel. It cannot replace us. Amen. I am irreplaceable. Come on, tell your neighbor. You are irreplaceable. Amen. My point is sometimes life can be convenient. And sometimes that convenience wants to overflow into our spiritual life. And God says to get up at 6 a.m. to pray. You decide it's 6 p.m. and you're going to pray. Come on, am I the only one? God says get up early and serve me. And because I'm a night person, I just wait till midnight. I have found myself trying to talk God out of what he is saying to me because it's not convenient me. We have to get out of that mindset. It's not about convenience, saints. Now, I'm not saying God's going to tell everybody to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning to pray. I'm not saying that. But if he is saying that, I want you to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning to pray. If God tells you at 10 o'clock, cut the TV off and pray, then at 10 o'clock, cut the TV off and pray. I'm not trying to put God in a box. 
I believe God speaks in the morning, the noonday, and at night. But obey him. Become aware of his voice and aware of his presence. So we see the wicked day of Noah. These wicked men, these creator of instruments and creator of tools for evil. Don't be, don't be so distracted by what's going on that you miss what God wants to do in you and through you. Don't be so caught up in what's going on in society that you miss the voice of the Lord. Amen? So let me go to Genesis 6. That was Genesis 4. You know, for the sake of time, you go read Genesis 5. But we get to Genesis 6, and God says right off the bat in Genesis 6, verses 1, he says, men, these wicked men are multiplying in the earth. They are multiplying in the earth, and they're all over the place. Do you know, uh, um, I did a study. They said during Noah's day, there was anywhere between 5 and 15 billion people in the earth. That sounds crazy, don't it? You heard me right. B as in boy. 5 to 15 billion people in the earth, and God says they multiply. You know, I... Uh, you know, I'm, I, you know, you got to go to five, and actually in six, it actually starts in verse five. It talks about the begotting, the begotting, such and such begot, such and such begot. So, and they lived to be 155. Then they had uh, more kids, and then they then they lived to be eight, eight nine hundred years old. And then they die. You know, I got you know, me and my wife. That's my wife's way, baby. We got five kids, right? Now the average age back then was about 900 years old. I calculated, we, we had five kids in a 15-year span, Pastor. Five kids, we've we married 23 years. We had have, we have five kids within a 15-year span. I did some calculations. So if the average age is 900 years old, baby, and we have five kids every 15 years, <laughs> that means we should have about 300 kids right now. And really, if you want to be technical, we actually are superhuman because if you live to be 900 years old, you're superhuman. I'm, I'm telling you right now. So technically, we have the times at 300 by at least two. Baby, we should have 600 kids right now. <laughs> Y'all heard pastor say he got 72 until he had about 45. Y'all only got away. But just imagine how many people were in the earth during the time from Genesis 1 up until Genesis 6. You know, the Bible does say he wants us to get back to the Garden of Eden, right? Didn't he say that in the Bible? We, you know, what's that song? Y'all remember that Donald Lawrence song? Let's get back to Eden, living on top of the world. Y'all remember that? Babies. It's biblical. 15 billion people. And God says every single one of them are wicked. Except one. If you look at verse 6, I believe. The Bible says, actually it's verse 8, the Bible says, but Noah found grace. Out of 15 billion people, there was one that found grace. You know, how oftentimes do we say God will never use me? I'm too tall, I'm too short, I'm too dark, I'm too light, I'm too poor, I'm too rich. We make every excuse as to why God wouldn't use us. But out of a billion or 15 billion people, there was one man that served God. His name was Noah. And if you keep reading your Bible, the Bible says Noah was perfect in his generation. A just man. And he walked with God. 
You know, I found out, I, I, I found out there's only two people in the Bible, now, now excluding Christ, there's only two people in the Bible that says walk with God. One was Enoch and one was Noah. Two people that the Bible specifically says walk with him. When it says Noah was perfect in his generation, it wouldn't mean that he was perfect. It didn't mean he did everything right. It mean he did everything that's right. When somebody said, oh, you think you're perfect. No, I don't. I just believe in doing what's right. It means Noah was a man of integrity. He was a man of honor. He loved God. He trusted God. And we're going to find out God trusted him. See, in Noah's day, with all the wickedness going on around, God said, there is one man I can trust. Here's a question to us today. If God was like that in Noah's day, what is he saying today? Is there a man I can trust? Is there somebody in this room that I can depend on? Is there somebody here I can lean on? You know, Ezekiel 20 says, God looked for a man, and he couldn't even find one. That scripture hurts my heart. You mean to tell me that out of all the people, out of all the searching, God couldn't find one man to use? So when we look at Noah and all the wickedness and the evil things happening in his day, we see what's going on. As a matter of fact, I don't know if I read it, but in verse 5, God did say the wickedness of man is great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart are evil continually. Earth was a terrible place. It's getting so bad now. Y'all ready for this? It's getting so bad now. If you say the name of Jesus, you mark. It's so, it's so intense right now. If you are at a restaurant praying over your food, Pastor Omar, you are offending somebody. This is the earth that we live in. Noah had to deal with it. Can you imagine out of a billion people, out of all of his friends and all of his relatives, none of them, none of them was after the things of God. How many of y'all know what it's like to be the only one in your family that lives for God? You know what that feeling is like. You're the only one living for it. No one else cares about the things of God. Now imagine that times a billion. The Bible says Noah found grace in the eyes of God. He found favor. But I want to talk about, I saw something else in Noah's day. When I read to you in Matthew 24, it talked about how the evil days, how the days of Christ are coming, that it's like the days of Noah. And we just read in the days of Noah that it was evil, that the men, the thoughts, and the intents of his hearts were continually evil. But I saw something else in the days of Noah. I saw something in Noah's day that I'm going to share with you that is in our day. Are you ready? In the midst of a chaotic uh, world riddled with sin, as I said, one man leaned on God. Do something real quick. If you're sitting close to anybody, I want you to lean on them. Just lean on them. Just a little bit. Don't hurt them. Just lean on them. Just lean on them. Now, now you notice when you lean, do you, did, you sense, did you sense a feeling of comfort? Come on, be honest. You may not even know that person, but the very fact that you can just lean on somebody meant the world to you. As a matter of fact, I think there were just some people that just needed a hug tonight. You had a rough day. Pastor talked about it's Wednesday night. Man, the boss yelled at you. The employee didn't do us right. You, sometimes you just need a hug. It's okay, you hug him if you want to. Praise God, I didn't say not to. But even in the midst of this chaotic world, Noah leaned on God. He occupied himself. When God said the world is evil, he said, Noah, this is what I want you to do, build a boat. And Noah went to work 
on building a boat that God had told him to build. Now, I want you to understand something. Noah relied on the word of the Lord, not the judgment of God. I'm going to tell you something. Oftentimes, what we make the mistake is we see what's going on in our day, and we start judging. Uh, uh, uh. See, I know Jesus is coming back. You see what she did? You hear what he said? The Lord is surely coming soon. You notice Noah didn't do that? Out of a billion people dying, a billion people that are sinning, Noah said, I got to get to work. I got a boat to build. Quit being in a judgmental state that you're not doing the work of the Lord. You sitting back on your high horse judging folk when you should be building up people. He began to build. He began to be occupied with the work of the Lord. Judging people. We talk about folks that we see somebody stealing their mail, and we want to judge them. No, go pray for them. Go pray for that person, amen? And what we got to understand is oftentimes when we find ourselves not building, we can find ourselves judging. We find ourselves in a place where we're not doing the work of the Lord. Matter of fact, we're trying to be God, amen? As a matter of fact, you remember? You remember the, the parable of the pounds? Y'all looking at me like a cow out of new gate. It is, a matter of fact, it's in Luke 19. I'm not talking about the parable of the talents. I'm talking about the parable of the pounds. Let me tell you what happened. There was a man. He was saying, I'm about to go off and establish my kingdom. I'm about to be made king. I'm finna give y'all some money. It was 10 of them. 10 of them. Matter of fact, I'm sure what I'm talking about. Let me get 10, 10 guys, ladies. No matter 10 of y'all. Come here. Let me show you. 10, 10, 10. Come on, come on. Every time I think about coming down these steps, I see myself falling flat on my face. Y'all buying that. I don't know what it is. Okay, we need some help count. Okay, here we go. Five, four, I need six more. Please? Six, please? There might be some pounds in your future. So the man says, I need 10 of y'all. How many is that? Number 10? Pray. I couldn't even cut that 10. Hallelujah. Y'all give it up for these 10 men. Brave souls. Brave. I'm surprised Mason up here. Last time I called Mason up, I about knocked him down up there. But the man comes and he says, 10 of y'all, I'm going to give y'all. Let me show you. Do I got some tissue? Let me show you. I ain't going to give y'all no real money. Y'all might take all my money. He said, look, I'm about to go away. I'm about to be crowned king. That's going to, I'm going to be going a long time. This is what I need you to do. I'm going to give you some pounds. I'm going to give you some money, some dinero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. Some moolah. And what I want you to do while I'm gone, I want you to occupy until I go. See, I'm going to tell you what happened. Y'all remember 1999? Y2K? Hey, be honest. How many of y'all froze? Come on, be honest, be honest. Come on. Y'all thought, oh, this is it, Pastor Chris. <laughs> we about to go on to glory. Here come the year 2000. How many of y'all? Am I? Come on. Be honest. Come on. How many of y'all was looking at y'all computer at 12.01 a.m.? Be honest. I know I ain't the only one. You know why I felt like that? Because I wasn't occupying. I was preoccupied. I was preoccupied with Y2K that I wasn't occupied with preaching the gospel. I'm in my house. Oh, Lord. Here come Y2K. Oh, Jesus. When God says, you be out there preaching the gospel. Why aren't you sharing the love of God? Why aren't you occupying? So the king, so the man said, I'm about to go away. I gave y'all money. I need y'all to occupy until I come. The order is, I'm going away, but I'll be back. What do you do while he's gone? 
Jesus spent how many years on earth? 33. He told the disciples, Acts, I'm about to go. Deuces. And the Bible says he went up. The disciples like this. Does this look like occupying y'all? As a matter of fact, what the angels say? What are y'all doing? What are y'all doing? Did he not say go into all the world, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the earth? Go. Preach the gospel. They're not occupying. This is what Jesus is talking about. I was here, now I'm about to go establish myself, get my kingdom. Here's some pounds. Go. Occupy until I come. Ask yourself. Now, we're using tissue, but ask yourself, what's in your hands? What has God put in your hands? What has God blessed you with? What has God anointed you with? What has God blessed you, your family with? What are you doing with it? Are you occupying until he comes? Or are you preoccupied? So the story goes that he gave these ten and they come, he comes back. He says, oh, yeah, guys, I'm back. Let me see what you got. First guy comes up. He says, look, master, teacher, I took what you gave me and I doubled it. I doubled it. I said, praise God. Let me tell you something. Because you have been faithful, I'm going to put you over 10 cities. Oh, you thank you. He goes to the second one. He said, look, I'm back. What you got for me? The second man gives. He said, look, I increased what you gave me by 50%. Praise God. Thank you. Matter of fact, what I'm going to do for you, I'm going to put you ruler over five cities. Did Jesus not tell us when he come back that he will make us kings and priests in the? I'm just saying, I thought that's what my Bible says. He goes to the third one. He says, man, what you got? The third one said, man, Lord, what I did was I folded it up. I folded it up. What you get? Folded real nice and tight, real, nice, real pretty. I fold, I, Jesus, I folded it up. Man, I was so scared of you. I didn't know what you, I knew you was a hard man. I folded it up, man, and I hid it. I didn't do anything with it. And I want to give it back to you. You mean to tell me that what I gave you, you did nothing with it? When I told you, occupy until I come back. The rest of them, he didn't even get to the other seven. He says, I'm taking what you gave me, and I'm going to give it to my man right here. You know why? Because he was occupying. I know, Jesus said, I know that this man will occupy until I come, so I'm going to increase him. Go read the parable. It, it doesn't sound good at the end because he told the rest of them. He said, for the rest of them, kill them. <laughs> they did not occupy. They did not do what I asked them to do with what I gave them. They got to go. This is the words of Jesus. I know, know y'all don't like it. But that is how important it is to Jesus that we occupy. Because you may not experience or these seven may experience a physical death, but there is something, there is something off when you feel disconnected from the Spirit of God. Has anybody ever been there before? Have you been so disobedient to God that you felt disconnected? You knew you had to get back to God. Y'all can sit down. Thank you. Y'all can keep them pounds too. Don't spend it all in one place either. But he said it. Occupied. Noah was occupied until Jesus came back. Amen. Here's what it boils down to in the day that we live in today. 
no matter how evil it gets, God is looking to save somebody. No matter what's going on around you, you still serve a God that saves and a God that delivers. Amen. God is interested in preserving you and your family. And this is what it boils down to, and I'm done. You may be that one in a billion. You may be that one that God has entrusted and called upon to save your family. I asked you a minute ago, how many of y'all were the only ones in your family saved? Many of you raised your hands. But guess what? That's not a bad thing. That just means you're the one. If God did it in Noah's day, he's looking to do it in your day. If you can look at what God did with one man out of a billion, surely he can do a lot with you, and it may only be a thousand. It isn't as important as to what you're up against than it is who's for you. Did not God say, if I be for you, come on, y'all know the word. My challenge to you is this. Do you see yourself as that one? Can you see what took place in Noah's day and realize it's going on in your day and be the one that builds the boat? Be the one that God uses to preserve your family. Now, it's sad. Out of a billion people, only seven were saved. I'm going to tell you something else I saw. And if you go to Genesis chapter 8, the Bible says that after the flood, Pastor, God remembered Noah. Now, that, that kind of scared me a little because I've been on this water for almost a year, and God just not remember me. <laughs> But you cannot forget that even though things may not look the way you want them to look, God has not forgotten you. It may not be going the way you want it to go, but God has not forgotten you. He hadn't forgot your sons and your daughters. He hadn't forgot about your husband. He hadn't forgot about your wife. He hadn't forgot about your boss. He hadn't forgot about you. So this is what we're going to do. Stand to your feet with me. This is what we're going to do. It's going to be simple. Because when I read in Genesis about Noah, I did not see Noah run off and hide in the tent. I did not see Noah run off home and say, Lord, what I'm going to do? God want me to build a 450-foot-long boat. What is a boat? You remember what I said a minute ago about inventions? There may be things God puts in your spirit that you never heard of before, that you hadn't even thought of, and you can be like, what is that? That, it, my friend, is God. How am I going to reach my family? God will show you. How am I going to talk to my neighbor about Christ? God will show you. What am I going to do about this situation? God will show you. What I saw in the days of Noah was God walking with man, hand by hand, telling him exactly what to do in the days of evil. It is not as important as people liking you as it is God wanting to use you even to reach the unlikable. Now, I don't know who's who or who's with here, who's with who in here tonight. I, I, I don't. And you may have came by yourself, but we got something for you too. But this is what I want you to do. Get with someone, more importantly, get with your family. There's somebody in your house that needs Jesus. There's somebody in your family that needs Jesus. There's somebody you work with that needs Jesus. When you hear about the evil, the things that they're doing, don't shake your head. Don't frown up at them. Say, you know what? I need to pray for them. I want you to give with your family and take them by the hand. Give with your neighbor. Take them by the hand. Because I'm going to give you, I'm going to tell you, it's real simple. I'm going to read this last scripture. We're going to pray. Psalms 90, 17 says, let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands. 
Yes, establish the work of our hands. It's very easy to just accept what is going on around you. Hear what I said? Easy, convenient. As a matter of fact, you know what we say? I'll let the pastor do it. What if they don't make it to Sunday? Oh, 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 oh I'll, let, I'll let somebody else talk to him. What if nobody else talks to him? This is real simple. Pray for your house. I noticed only Noah's house was saved. I don't know about you, but it's important for me that my house be saved. What did Pastor Kevin say Sunday? As for me and Notice how personal that is. I have nothing against mission trips. I have nothing against going overseas or going down the street. I'm going to tell you something. I know for a fact, I know somebody right now that I can call. I don't need no appointment. I don't need to set up any type of meeting. I can go preach to them now. They're part of my house. I don't have to wait for the next mission trip. I can do this now. Now get that person on your mind. Real simple. Get that person on your mind. How many years have you ducked it? How many years have you, have you uh, denied it? How many years? It's time to pray. It's time to intercede. It's time to stand in the gap. It's time. Too often we've allowed them to, to, to do what they've done, and we've been disgusted by it. And yet we never told them about the Savior. You know, the Bible says to be ready in season and out of season. You know what that means, brother? That means to to preach and to pray whether it's time or it's not, whether it's favorable or unfavorable. The enemy wants us to think that now is not a good time. Yes, it is. In those most uncomfortable times, this is the time. I know it ain't easy, but I'm going to tell you something. Here it is. Here it is. You have nothing to lose. They have everything. say it again. Pray because at the end of the day you have nothing to lose but they have everything to lose. Let's pray. I'm not going to tell you what to pray. You know what that need is. You know that family member way better than I do. You know what that son needs. You know what that daughter needs. You know what that neighbor, that uncle, that father, that mother, that sister that brother, you know what they need. Come on, body, be activated. Pray. Pray for that lost one. Pray for that one you know needs Jesus. Don't sit there and say, I think they are saved. No, if you don't know without a shadow of a doubt, say their name. Because I'm going to tell you something. The enemy is saying their name all night long. The drug dealer is calling them every single day. It could be a pimp calling them every day. You know their name. Pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for an opportunity. Pray for an open door to minister to your brother, your sister, your son, your daughter. Pray for an opportunity. Say, God, open up a door. Give me an opportunity to talk to them. Just give me one chance to tell them about Jesus. Let me tell you something. Tomorrow is not promised to me nor you. Tonight may be the last chance you get. Today, it could be over for them. I know stories of people say, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll tell them tomorrow. 
and they never saw the day. Pray for opportunities. Secondly, pray for a strategy. Begin to talk to God. Ask God to give you a strategy on how to reach that loved one. God, give me a plan. Show me what it is that I need to say, what I need to do. How do I need to interact? Give me a strategy, God. Let me tell you something. When God told Noah that he was going to flood the earth, he didn't just say, okay, Noah, see you on the other side. No, he gave him a plan. Build a boat. God has a plan to preserve you and your family. Ask God about that boat. Ask God about that boat. What's the plan, God? What's the strategy, Lord? The third thing is, understand that you got favor with your family. There's one thing I know, if you are a born-again believer, whether they like it or not, you got favor with them. They may say things to hurt your feelings. They may do things to try to push you away. But at the end of the day, they see and know that there's a God on the inside of you. You know, oftentimes family members fight you because of the very thing that you're saying is what they need. So if you pray for that strategy, understand that you got favor with God. God, I thank you for favor with my family. Come on, begin to pray. God, I thank you for favor. I thank you, God, I got favor with my, my brothers and my sisters. I got favor with my parents. I got favor with my boss. I got favor with my coworkers. And I thank you because of that favor, God, that you're going to give me the strategy and the opportunity to minister the gospel. Can I be honest? This is what we're here for. You know why you come to the house? To get equipped. Guess what you're equipped for? To take it out there. You standing here, you, you jump, you shout, you clap, and that's all good. But let me tell you something. When a pastor preaches a word, he equips you. He talked about Sunday. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Can I ask you something? It's been three days. Have you instructed or done anything in your home to serve God? Don't answer that out loud. Don't, don't say nothing. What did you do with the word of the Lord? God, we're going to start praying every night. Lord, we're just going to read one scripture. Just one saint. Just get your family together. Just, just one saint. Jesus wept. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a start. Just, hey, hey, let's pray for a minute. Let's just let's talk about it. Just get your house. Jesus is coming back. And just like in the days of Noah, when they were so preoccupied and busy, let us not be that one. Let us be the one that God uses to help somebody else. Father, thank you. I believe tonight, God, you heard the heart of your people. I believe, Lord, that you, you do have a strategy and plan for us to reach the loved ones, the lost ones. You do got a plan for our sons and our daughters, our, our brothers. You have a plan for our uncle. You got a plan, God. I ask you, God, just to use us. God, use us in these last days to reach the lost. Not just those on every street corner, but God, even particularly our house. I believe like Noah, it was important for him that his wife and his sons and his daughter-in-laws get on that boat. I do not believe it was by circumstance or coincidence that he got on the boat. I believe it was important for your son Noah to make sure his house was saved. God, give us that same fervency. God, I ask you right now just to stir up a, a freshness and a newness in our heart for those, Father God, closest to us that need you, Jesus. Give us a, a, fresh, a fresh outlook, Father God. A fresh approach, God. 
for our loved ones. In Jesus' name. Now listen, that's it. I know you may not feel goosebumps, but I'm going to tell you something. When you walk out that door and you get on that phone, you get to that house, you get to that place of establishment, you allow the Spirit of God to use you and watch the Holy Ghost take over. All because you're willing. All because you're ready and all because you're able. Amen? Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. Hallelujah. Come on, let's tell Torrance Farmer thank you for the word of God tonight. Wow. We're going to go, but Chris leaned over. He reminded me of, of a precious homeless man that came to church here with Wendy on a Sunday morning. He came to the altar that Sunday morning and gave his life to Jesus and died the next morning. And because of Wendy, who visits our homeless friends in this community, and she brings them to church frequently, he came to church and gave his life to Jesus the next day he died. I know that there are people who don't believe what I'm saying, but just as close as the Apostle Peter and just as close as the thief on the cross were to Jesus, that homeless man went from a pauper on Sunday to the richest man because somebody loved him enough to tell him about Jesus. And I'm thankful for that. And I see Pastor Tim, Pastor Gary was telling us this story. Dade County Jail this past week or last week, the power of God broke out in the prison and a bunch of people gave their life to Jesus. And one of them, one of the young men that gave their life to Jesus was recently convicted of murder. And it's all over the news in Georgia. And, and Pastor Gary told the story in pastor's meeting on Monday how that young man gave his life to Jesus and got baptized in the Holy Ghost. I tell you, the Lord is a good God. I said the Lord is a good God. The Bible says he will save to the uttermost. Do you know what that means? However far out the furthest one is, that's where God will go and he will rescue. How do I know that? Because I think I'm in a room with some people that were that far out, but he came and got us. Anybody glad he came for you? Anybody glad he saves to the uttermost? Hallelujah. Torrance, this is a powerful word, and my heart stirred to pray. I got some family that need Jesus, and I'm going to begin to believe afresh for their salvation and be obedient and yield to the Spirit of God. Lord, we thank you for this word tonight, and we thank you that more than seeing our family saved, you want our families to be saved. And Lord, we believe that's your will, and I pray not only for these three things that Torrance has taught us tonight lord i pray also that you will send people to our family if they live in places where we don't get to go i pray you'll send gospel agents full of the love of jesus to our family and i pray people that love you and will love them will enter into their life in the most god kind of ways I also pray tonight that we lay up mercy for our family. Lord, we believe, I believe that we can pray up mercy for those that deserve judgment. You'll hear our prayers. Oh, come on, somebody just do that right now. Lord, we lay up mercy. I lay up mercy for my niece. I lay up mercy for Jaden right now, God. I just thank you that you're pushing back the hallelujah. I know we got to go, but somebody ought to take about 60 seconds right here and just declare mercy over that family member. 
Uh -huh, judgment should come for them, but we declare that because of the goodness of God, mercy is laid up for them tonight. And I pray it's new every morning over them in the name of Jesus. And we pray your blessing on Deacon Farmer, on Benita, on their family. I thank you that as we have received from this word tonight, pour it back into his spirit, God, I pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen.